guys so much. Great, great, great praise this morning. I can't sing that song we just sang without getting emotional. I mean, that covers every facet of our of our life, and that's all right. You help yourself. <laughs> and every every facet. I love that last part. We'll fly to Jesus, and uh, you know I practice every day. <laughs> Hope you do too. Well, at 5 o'clock this morning, I uh, was reading through Acts, and, and a, a passage jumped out at me, and I said, wow, this is kind of like a Super Bowl. Um, and I just venture to say that at least once in our lives, all of us have had a Super Bowl. Now, Super Bowl being the big game, a monumental experience. Maybe you were an athlete and you had a big game in high school. Maybe it was a state championship or something along that line. I never was an athlete. I know it doesn't show. I was a man. Played for the big game. But we, we have monumental experiences. We have Super Bowl-type experiences in our lives. In fact, I can remember maybe my first, probably my first monumental experience was when I was eight years old and convicted in a revival in a little church in Kentucky. I sat on the front, front row because the, the guest evangelist was also a magician, and so I wanted to see how he did those tricks. So I was right on the front row, which was the perfect place for me to be. He did his tricks, but it gave me an opportunity to let Jesus really speak to my heart. And I never will forget that night that I, I came out the first night, and, and I, I came back to the back, and I remember saying to my dad, Dad, I, I need to talk to you. He goes, I know. He was watching. And we talked. And the next night, the message was just as phenomenal. And the very next night, I gave my life to Christ and was baptized into him for the forgiveness of my sins to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What a monumental Super Bowl moment that was. And another one in 1990, on February the 10th, in Oakland City, Indiana, as I exchange wedding vows with my beloved bride who's downstairs teaching children's church. What a Super Bowl moment. Monumental. One I'll never forget. One I'll always treasure. And then there was a third one. Also in February, the day after our anniversary, but eight years later, February the 11th, 1998, we sat in a Hospital in Mishawaka, Indiana, right next to South Bend. And we heard the cry, the first cry of our son. We were sitting in the waiting room, and you think, well, how could Denise give birth in a waiting room? She didn't. We adopted Saul. We were sitting right there, and a little bit after six that morning, after being there all night with 
the birth mother and her family, we um, heard that first cry. And I said, I think our baby's in this world. And a little while later, the birth mother's mother came out and said, you are proud parents of a baby boy. I couldn't have been more excited. A monumental Super Bowl moment. Because I, I love girls, don't get me wrong, but I, I wanted a son. I wanted somebody that I could, you know, play football with and take fishing and do things with. And, and we've been able to do some of that and not as much as I would like. Hopefully we got time to do more. But what a monumental Super Bowl moment. And I know you could begin to tell monumental Super Bowl moments in your life. But I want to look at one in Scripture. I know Scripture was written long before football was ever started, but this is kind of a special day. I came this close to wearing my Colts jersey and hat. My hat actually came from Indianapolis. Denise has a cousin that lives in Indianapolis, and, and uh, she says, does Steve have a, and this all have a, a hat, and we, we had a couple, but not really the official Indianapolis. So she sent us the official Indianapolis Colts hat that we will be wearing later today. And I'm hoping it's going to be a monumental experience. I'll just share that. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But here's a man over in Acts that has a monumental Super Bowl moment. I'm going to begin with prayer, then I'm going to kind of take us through the passage. We're not going to read the whole thing at once. We're going to kind of game by game, do some game by game coverage here, play by play, so to speak, and see what happens. Let's pray, and then we'll look at this passage together. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for the monumental moments. The best is yet to come. Oh, the best is yet to come. Fly to Jesus. Fly to Jesus. Oh, Lord, we get to fly to you and live. We don't even understand life yet. Don't have a clue. So, Father, speak to us this morning. Challenge us. Help us to get as excited about our walk with you as we are about sports and other things in life. Help us. Our relationship with you trump everything else. The most exciting thing in life that our relationship with you would trump that. And then when it's time to fly, we'll be ready. Speak to us now. Be the message of the messenger in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to start off by reading the first couple of verses. I guess you could call this the kickoff. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate, called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. So there's the first couple of verses. Let me give you a quick background of this man. Doing some, some uh, research, I found that uh, most historians believe that he was probably about 40 years old at this point. Of course, we know that he had been crippled from birth. It says that in the text. 
This man had never walked. He had never run. He had, had never, never been able to carry a football. Of course, he didn't know what a football was, but that's okay. He still hadn't been able to carry one. He just knew begging. Every day, his life was the same. Every day, a couple of guys would take him and put him at the gate, the beautiful gate. The gate that would lead to, to the temple where there would be worship. Now, if people are going to worship, maybe they're going to be more apt to give. You know, you know good, good idea, good, good spot, good strategic spot to be placed. And he's just hoping, just hoping, I've got to beg today. I hope I have enough to, to get through the day today. Hope there will be enough money so I'll have some food later today. His, his life was begging. So, his game begins, the kickoff happens, and there he is. Now, let me read down a little further. We'll start at verse 3, and I'm going to read down through the first part of, of verse 6. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, and as did John. Then Peter said, Look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. And then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. Stop there. So now enter Peter and John. The request from this man comes out. <coughs> maybe, maybe this is my chance to... To get in the game. Maybe this is, maybe this is the, the play that I've been looking for. Maybe, maybe these guys are going to help me out. Maybe they're going to bail me out. Maybe they're going to slip me a couple of bucks. You know, beggars are just bench warmers most of the time. They don't get a play. They just have to get whatever's left. They don't get the glory. They don't get the excitement. They don't get the accolades. They don't get the applause. They just keep the bench pretty warm. Why they call them bench warmers. They just said. But maybe, 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 maybe these guys can do something different. Maybe these guys can, can give them a little money. Maybe it will, maybe they've won the lottery and they're going to give them a lot of money and he's not going to have to come here tomorrow or even for a week or a month or maybe, just maybe, he'll never have to come back here again. Maybe they will give him so much money that he'll be set for life. Probably not, but, well, you know, there's hope. So he, he tries to get their attention. He does get their attention. Now, if you go to big cities today, you're probably going to be warned, don't look at the beggars. Don't make eye contact, because if you make eye contact, they're, they're, going, to, they're going to come after you. I know Denise and I visited New York City uh, first year that we were married. Her best friend lived out there at that time. And the first thing she said when we got on the subway is, don't, don't look, keep your head down, don't make eye contact with anybody. Because if it's a homeless person, they're going to see that and they're going to pounce on you. They're going to bug you. They're going to follow you. She says, trust me, I've had to learn this. And it was hard. I'm a contact person. I contact and I talk to everybody. I wave. I don't, I'm just who I am. It was really hard, but we, we followed her instructions. You know, there are people around here that, that are begging. There, there are people, actually, there are people 
everywhere begging. And it's not just for money. Do you know how many lonely people there are begging for company? Do you know how many sick people that are out there begging for health? Do you know how many hurting people that are out there begging for, for mercy and for love and for affection and, and on and on and on? You see, what if, church, what if we looked into people's eyes just like Peter and John do? Did you, you miss that part? You know, a lot of times we, we breeze through, we're looking, we're waiting for the good stuff. And so we kind of breeze through the first part of it until we get to the good stuff. But sometimes the little stuff is the good stuff. Look at verse 4. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. They've probably been told, don't pay attention to the bankers, don't look at them. No, 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 these guys, hey. We're, we're, full of the, we're full of the joy of the Lord. And, and God looks at people. God always looks at people. Our Creator watches us intently every single day. And He wants us to do the same for one another. And, and those that are not a part of His family. And so Peter and John look right at this guy. Oh man, somebody's looking at me. Oh, I may get in the game. This could, be, this could be my big chance. Maybe they've got some great news to tell me. Maybe they really did win the lottery. And so his hope builds. The beggars are out there. Those that have lost their jobs. Those that are ate up because of some kind of sin and they're, they're too ashamed even to come back to church. You see, there, there are beggars that we need to be looking for and trying to make eye, not only eye contact, but, but people contact with. Bringing, maybe not money, because that might be the least of their needs, honestly, but bringing the same thing that Peter and John bring. Bringing them hope that's eternal. Bringing them salvation that is just as eternal bringing them what they need the most. Oh, what if the church looked straight at the beggars, the beggars of this world? What if we did that? What if we did that? Well, he does get in the game. He does get in the game. Now, further, Peter's first response seems negative. Sorry, dude, ain't got no money for you. Probably pulled his pockets. Sorry, no, no money. No money available. Okay. So what's your scoop? The beggar, all of a sudden, his, his heart kind of drops. That hope begins to diminish. Oh, well then what can you really do for me? Oh, if he, if he only knew. In seconds, he would find out. I don't have any money. Well, the guy says, I'm in the game, but the play doesn't involve me. I'm in the game, but it's just kind of a secondary role. I'm in the game, at least I'm off the bench, but it's still 
Still not a key position. Still not what I had hoped for. You know, sometimes we just think about what we don't have. Sometimes we say, well, I wish I had a great voice so I could be in the cantata. Or I wish I had this ability or that ability. I wish I had a speaking ability. I wish I could be a teacher. I wish, I wish, I wish. And we, we just think about what we don't have and we don't think about what we do have. The abilities, the talents, the gifts that God has given us. We don't think about those things. We don't think about how we can help in other ways. We don't think that, that we could be an awesome prayer warrior. You know, I'm, I'm getting up in years and I can't do those things that I used to do. I've heard that so many times in every ministry that I've been in. And, and I, I understand. I readily understand. But oh, at that point in your life, you have such an important role. You can be a starter. We need you, a key player. We need you as a prayer warrior. And we as we're Christian church right now needs prayer warriors maybe more than any time in its history. So don't, don't think your role is, is minor. Yes, it takes faith. This guy is thinking, you know, here I am, I'm in the game, but it's no big deal. But then something happens. Something happens. Peter's response suddenly becomes very positive. Let me finish verse 6 and, and read down through uh, verse 8. First part of verse 8 anyway. Peter said, you know, silver and gold I, I don't have. And then he says, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk! Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. It's a fake. You see, the man thought, I don't have a key role here, but it's not going to be a throw down the line for the touchdown. No, they're going to give the ball to this man for him to be the running back and to run it for a touchdown. And the guy all of a sudden has the ball in his hands and he says, you want me to what? I never have. I can't. I can't run. I can't even walk. I can't even stand up. You want me to? Give me your hand. And he places his hand in Peter and probably John's and they lift him up. And for the first time ever, he can stand. And he starts going, Whoa. and then he says, you know, we can do this. Give me that ball. And he begins to run. And he's never run before. He doesn't want to quit running. I'm just going to run. And then he begins to see guys coming at him to tackle him. And so he's like, ha, huh, I've got to run this way. Or I've got to run this way. And I've got to cut up this way. Because if they tackle me, I might be crippled again. And I don't want to be crippled again. I'm going to outrun these guys. And he takes off like never before. And you know the result. Within moments. 
he has crossed that end zone. The referee's arms go up. And it's a touchdown. It is an absolute touchdown. You see, in the name of Jesus, miracles can happen. In the name of Jesus, the lonely can have friendship. In the name of Jesus, Sometimes, not always, but sometimes the sick are made well. And we have seen that experience right here as we've one week had people on the prayer list and the next week we have praise by their name. In the name of Jesus, jobs can be found. In the name of Jesus, life can be restored. In the name of Jesus, habits can be broken. In the name of Jesus, the impossible can become the possible. so church I, I want to encourage us this guy took that ball and I know this is made up but honestly I, I can't imagine what he did I can't imagine if he had the football if he ran to the end zone he wasn't done running he ran to the other end zone he just didn't want to quit he never run before he's 40 years old he had not only never walked he had never run he had never experienced anything like this he didn't want to stop he says I gotta keep going this is just so much fun I had no idea and I just want us to be encouraged Maybe you've never run before. Maybe you've never really taken a step of faith and said, in the name of Jesus, and strive to accomplish what God wants you to accomplish. Maybe you've been in his playbook all along, and you just hadn't gotten in the game. Maybe you had kept yourself out of the game. Well, I don't want to go out there. Them guys are big. I'm little. They'll hurt me. Maybe, maybe you have even declined going in the game. Maybe God has given you opportunity in the past to get in the game and you said, oh, not me. Oh, I, I can't do that. So you've missed your touchdown opportunity. You've missed your chance to shine for God. You see, this is where I want to, to bring this all to a close. I want us to look at verses 8 through 10, the last part of 8, down through 10, because this is what it's all about. Then he went with them into the temple courts, right out there in the churchyard, walking and jumping and praising God. Now notice verse 9. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And I bet he kept his mouth shut. Oh, I, I don't know. I just woke up this morning and I could walk. I don't, can't, can't explain it. No, no, no. Not this guy. 
Not this guy. He couldn't tell people fast enough what Jesus had done for him. You see, it was in the name of Jesus. He could not fast enough exclaim and proclaim and tell everybody what Jesus had done for him. I know it's a miracle. Yes, yesterday I was a beggar. I never have to beg for anything. I can go tomorrow and get a real job because I can walk. I can run. Look, let me show you. And he takes off. And he's jumping and he's praising God. The glory, the glory had been given. The post-game celebration was spectacular. Yeah, coach, he put me in the game and he designed this play just for me. And, and, and you know, I just, I didn't know what else to do. I just ran and, and God gave me everything, gave me the ability and he gave me the ball and he gave me the opportunity and he pulled me off the bench and, and well, here I am. And this is, you know, this is just awesome because it was also the winning touchdown of the game, not just any old touchdown. But it was the difference maker. You might be the difference maker for some soul in this world that really needs to hear the name of Jesus. They don't know that. They're looking at a different game plan. But you show them the, the, the game plan. And you share with them God's game plan. And you let God work. And you let God rule. And you let God coach. And you let God design the play. You just be the one to say, have you tried this playbook? Yeah, in your playbook it doesn't work out. Go ahead and get to the end of your playbook, and it never does work out, does it? Have you, have you thought about God's playbook? Have you thought about maybe trying a different plan? Have you thought about, in the name of Jesus, the difference that could be in your life? There's been a lot of discouragement around here. In the last several weeks, as word has gotten out that we're kind of in some financial troubles, and we've got to adjust some things. And maybe the song we sang before. I started that one verse, cry to Jesus. Maybe a lot of that's been going on. In fact, I know that it has. I've done a little bit myself. But I want you to know, brothers and sisters, beloved, I am not discouraged. See, I, I think God's got the perfect game plan, even for Williamsburg Christian Church. And I think he has a bright future for Wigginsburg Christian Church. Now, we have options. We can sit on the bench and just say, woe is us, and not do anything. And woe will be us. Or, 
we can have some faith. And in the name of Jesus, begin to really trust God in, in, in every aspect of our life, in every aspect of ministry, in every aspect of, of this church being. And we can, we can take steps of faith, and I don't think it'll be long until we'll be running. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if we score a touchdown very soon. I'm not discouraged at all. And I just want you to, in the name of Jesus, pray for wisdom, for our leadership, for the budget committee, for decisions that will be made. I want you, in the name of Jesus, to pray on, on what you can do to get off the bench. On what you need to do to get off the bench. You know, sometimes we know the game plan that God has for us, but we still refuse to get in the game. But I, I want to encourage you to take a step of faith and say, you know what, Lord, I've never done this before. I've never got involved in, in teaching. I've never got involved in children's ministry. I've never got involved in, in a Sunday night Bible study. Uh, I've never got involved in a small group. I've never gotten involved in whatever it might be. And, and you say, oh, but I'm going to. I'm going to step up to the plate, and I'm going to trust you, God. And I've never given like I should, but I'm going to trust you. On and on and on. Every, every, again, every, every piece of the pie. And you get in the game. You know, when that guy got up that morning and his buddies came and picked him up, and I mean literally picked him up, and took him to that same spot that he sat every day from the time that he was old enough to start begging until even this day, I would almost guarantee that man had no thought except getting through that day so he could come back the next day and do the exact same thing. I would almost bet everything I have that he was not expecting to be a walker, a runner, a leaper, and, and, and praising God for all of it. But he had enough faith. He could have said, guys, don't you dare pick me up. I can't do this. No, absolutely not. But we see no refusion, refusal. Instead, we see, sure, I'll, I'll try anything. We've tried all sorts of stuff. Maybe today, maybe you came here not expecting to be convicted at all, just want to leave and go home and get ready for the Super Bowl. But maybe, maybe... Maybe the Spirit of God has spoken to your heart. Even as I started reading this at 5 o'clock this morning, it spoke to my heart. And I thought, yeah, God's not done with this yet. He has a playbook. There's still more plays to run. There's still more games to play. There's more Super Bowls ahead. So maybe Super Bowl Sunday will take on a new meaning for you. As you say, Lord, I want to give myself to you like never before. I want to have the faith of that cripple. I want to 
I want to take a step of faith myself. And maybe that's going to mean coming down the aisle and having us pray with whatever your situation is. Whatever it might be that needs prayer. Or maybe you've never accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. Well, you're not even, definitely not in the game. And you just, today's the day you want to say, Lord, I, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to, I want to have my sins washed away. I want, to, I want to be in the game forever. Or maybe you've been on the bench for a long time and you say, you know what? I want to rededicate my life. I went off the bench and I want to end the game. I really believe God has a play designed for me. I really believe there's something that I can do within the realm of Williamsburg Christian Church. And I'm ready to step out in faith and work and do that. And so, it's very clear the invitation is offered. And I just encourage you to get in the game. I encourage you to let Jesus be all that he longs to be in your life. This man did, and it changed his life forever. Maybe you're spiritually crippled. If that's the case, then stand up right now. Everybody stand up. Let's just make a decision that we're going to leave here whole and healed spiritually, ready to get in the game.